This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone. This is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiori gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger. And don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Oh, good afternoon, everybody. If you are watching live, welcome in to the Early Edge Week 8 NFL Mega Preview. It's hard to believe we're almost halfway through the NFL season. A lot of teams that can either go this way or a lot of teams that can either go that way. Now, as you know, on this show, and if you're new, welcome. We break down every single game on the board. Weird quirk this week. We've had several teams that have already had their bye week, but this week, all 32 teams. 16 games on the docket. So with all that being said, let's bring in the stars of the show. Because you know them, you love them, the maestro and the stoic one, R.J. White. And R.J., let me come to you first. What's with the no bye weeks on week number eight? Weird, no? Very weird. We're used to seeing it with week 12 during Thanksgiving week. Everybody always plays, but not with week eight. So I haven't actually looked through the schedule week in, week out. But but I think if you would do that, you would find that those buys that have six teams and even four teams, those weeks that have those teams on buy, none of them match up as playing this week. So um, so you would figure that would be the case. Um, but then you say that, and then you see look at this Houston Carolina game. They were both on buy last week. So why not just move them forward? And have two teams on by them, two teams on by this that week, this week instead of last week. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think you'd have to ask the people that spend weeks and weeks putting the schedule together. And uh, this is this is the formula they decided on to have no buys in week eight. Um, fortunately for them, there's not much else going on in, in sports right now. There's no nothing going on in MLB. There's another major uh, league that doesn't start this week. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I don't know either. But you know better than anybody now. Maestro, let me come over to you because a very special thing, because people don't understand a sports side. They go, how come you don't have this? Well, it takes tech. It takes time. It takes development. But we have something else that developed releasing today. What is that? Yeah, we're getting more and more things available in the pick feed. And one of those is NFL team totals and R.J. White. Uh, my colleague has posted the first one ever on Sportsline.com, and we're probably going to be talking about it real soon. All right, very good. By the way, the haircut looks nice. You look all nice and dapper today, sir. I like it. 
All right, gentlemen, let's dive in because we got 16 games to get through. And Thursday night, you know, RJ, I got to start with you, big boy, because we've got your bills. They're laying eight and a half, total 42. Tampa Bay is coming to town, the fighting Baker Mayfields. Now, RJ, your bills have been struggling. They have three losses already. They're a full game behind the Dolphins. They're plus 175 to win the AFC East. What? Talk to me first on Thursday Night Football. Yeah, love the Patriots last week against the Bills. That line didn't make any sense. Don't love the Bucks as much, but I would still lean that way. But the thing I am taking is, because we do have team totals now available on sports, and I'm taking the over for Tampa Bay's team total. A few things I like about it. It's only 16 and a half, so we're getting under that key number of 17 to hit the over there. We're getting plus 100 on, on sports line. I believe that is the line at, at one book that you could find. Um, so if you're getting plus odds on the 16 and a half, like it even more. Then you look at this Buffalo defense. They just allowed 6.6 yards per play to New England. Um, an offense that looked terrible coming into that game. Uh, Buffalo's defense now 26th in yards per play. You can't trust them at all with all their injuries. Um, I know Tampa could have lost more by more, if not for three red zone fumbles. And their defense is particularly bad on third downs where Buffalo's offense does well, so Josh Allen can extend drives. But one thing I do like is Tampa Bay's defense is first in the red zone. Um, and Buffalo, that's where they shine. Their offense is second. So I think that battle could decide the game. And Tampa Bay seems as well equipped as anyone to, to shut teams down in the red zone there. So with that defense and the untrustworthy Buffalo defense, I think uh, Tampa Bay covers here, but I'm going to play that that Buffalo defense angle um, as a best bet and take Tampa Bay over 16 and a half points. Leave it to RJ to waste absolutely no time getting that first team total up on Sportsline. Absolutely love it. Now, I think we've slept a little bit, Maestro, on the Bucks because it doesn't feel like they're playing well, but yet in this division, they're currently just a half a game back of Atlanta. Your thoughts on this one? Well, their offense is, is just not exciting. I mean, when they run the ball 18 times on first down last week and only two of those were graded successful, they just refused to throw the ball on early downs. You know, Baker Mayfield was on the injury report but now fully expected to play. But there is bad news because Vita Vea, a non-participant again today. So he's looking very iffy. And on the Buffalo side, R.J. Ed Oliver comes back. This guy led the team in pressures entering last week. He's a big loss when you don't have Daquan Jones up front. So him coming back should be good for the Bills. I'm hoping to get this closer to the seven range. At that point, definitely play. I would play Buffalo. But right now, it's a no play. Most games that have had a spread like this, guys, I've noticed this year, they've come down and not too many games have been going up. So I think you might be onto something there as people want to get that over seven number and bring it down to that seven number. All right, game number two, and this is one o'clock Eastern on Sunday. The Rams, well, they're playing like a 500 team. Some weeks are good. Some weeks, not so good. Dallas coming off a bye week. They should be as healthy as they've been the entire season. They're four and two currently. They're laying six and a half. Maestro, the total is 45 and a half. Your thoughts on Dallas back at home this week? Yeah, it looks like a good spot for Dallas off of the extra rest. And that pass rush against Matthew Stafford doesn't really have a running game. Stafford, you know, under 60% completions. He's got the two great wideouts, but does he have time to find them and that game they were in control of that game against the Steelers and then TJ Watt makes an amazing play and everything flips right there and then shockingly the Rams give up 14 points to the Steelers in the fourth quarter uh, so I definitely lean Dallas here but the reason I'm scared is Matthew Stafford Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua those are the guys who can come through the back door you know if Dallas eases up their defense. RJ Maestro brings up such a great point. When you got those two wide receivers, you're always in the game, but it seems like the, the, the offensive line, they're letting everybody through. Stafford doesn't have a lot of time most throws. 
And he's likely to struggle when he faces an elite pass rush. Dallas defense also first in interception rate, so they can definitely uh, convert on those bad throws and turn them into picks. Um, the Rams did dominate for three quarters, aside from an awful pick to start the second half. So you just imagine those Dallas games where they run up the score without the offense doing anything. You could see that happening here, too. Rams defense now down to 17th in yards per play. They're bottom five in sack rate and interception rate, so Dak should have plenty of time to do what he wants to in this game. My problem is the Dallas offense hasn't scored more than two touchdowns in a game since week one. You know, a lot of it has been heavy lifting from the defense. Um, and you're going to need the offense to score some, especially when you have that those dynamic duo on the other side. Um, and, and I don't know if two touchdowns is going to cut it. Um, my power range would make it eight, so I want to lean to Dallas. I think the buy is going to help them regroup. Um, the line seems a little low, but because of the backdoor potential, because the offense hasn't really converted a ton of points, I think it needs a defensive score to happen. So I'm just going to lean to it rather than play it. Jared says Puka is an auto play at this point. Well, right now he's the one getting all the numbers, catches, yards. He went nuts last weekend. Keep an eye on him as well. All right, game number three on our board, game number two at 1 o'clock on Sunday. The Vikings, fascinating. Two weeks ago, RJ, they beat the Bears. People were oh, it's the Bears. They lost Justin Fields. But then last night, their offense looked really good. Jordan Addison, the rookie, played amazing, and they beat the 49ers in every department. They now go on the road to Green Bay. The Packers blew it after a big comeback on Sunday in Denver. Vikings favored by one, total 43. Your thoughts on the Vikings being favored on the road, RJ? Yeah, I have the Vikings as a zero team, as an average team, um, but that's really doing them a little bit of a disservice. They should really be a 50% plus five team, 50% minus five team. You're either going to get a minus five team half the time, or you're going to get one of the best teams in the league half the time somehow. Um, so who, who shows up in that, this game is going to matter here. Um, I'm really worried about Green Bay. It's unbelievable that their offense was shut out in the first half by a historically bad Denver defense with two weeks to prepare. That tells me that Matt, maybe just Matt LaFleur is not a good coach, um, despite what we thought about him for a lot of that run with green with Aaron Rodgers turning him into to a two-time MVP um, and really having that offense humming there it's just not working right now they're 21st in yards per play Jordan Love doesn't look like a starting NFL quarterback the Minnesota defense I've been saying they're better than people think and they showed that against San Francisco they've actually faced a lot of top offenses and ranked pretty well they're going to bring a lot of pressure in this game Brian Flores loves to bring pressure and Jordan Love I think is going to fold under it so I would lean toward Minnesota my power ratings would lean a little bit to Green Bay but because they have a great home field advantage typically but Minnesota is so Last week, it has a good passing quarterback, and Green Bay's defense hasn't faced many of them. I think they'll be able to score points and then just put the pressure on Love and he'll fold. It may be as good, Maestro, as we've seen Cousins play in a while. He had time. He was finding his guys. TJ Hawkinson completely outplayed George Kittle. Are the Vikings kind of finding their groove without their best player on the field? That was an unbelievable performance because there were plays where there were guys in his face. There were three different 49ers outstretched arms that he would zing the ball right through to Jordan Addison or to TJ Hawkinson. So that's a great performance. It was a great spot. And now you go on the road, but the Packers probably the most disappointing offense in the entire NFL. You know, they don't score in the first half at all. That's their policy. They only get going a little bit in the second half. They're so banged up. Darnell Savage, the safety's out. Christian Watson got hurt again. You know, what are they getting from Aaron Jones? Not much. A.J. Dillon played okay. But this offense in total disarray. And what the scary thing is, Coach, they went into the bye with six players on the injury report, and they went entered the game with ten players on the injury report. So they're getting hurt even in practice. Uh, no way I could play Green Bay. You bring up Aaron Jones. We've talked about him a lot on our different shows this year. When you have a hamstring injury, Listen to this, people. It is the hardest injury in sports to come back from. 
way harder than a broken bone, in my opinion. I've had both in my career. Hamstrings never heal. That's why you're seeing guys come in and guys go out like Aaron Jones. They just go back and forth. All right, game number four on our board. The first place, Maestro, Atlanta Falcons. My goodness. Laying two and a half, Tennessee. They have just had the bottom drop out of their season very, very quickly. Total 36 and a half. Yuck. How do we approach this game, Larry? I'm on the Falcons here. Uh, I played it at one and on the money line. Now we're getting up to two and a half because Tannehill not practicing. Doesn't appear like he's going to play. So you're looking at Will Levis or Malik Willis, probably a combination of both. The Falcons to me are like the Seahawks the last two weeks. Their stats much better than their results. They get a three-point win over Tampa. They should have won by a lot more. They lost to the Commanders. In each game, guys, they outgained the opponent by 1.2 yards per play. So if Desmond Ritter can just stop turning the ball over every time he gets inside the opponent 12. Uh, this team has a really good shot to do something this year, and this is a good spot. I mean, the Titans just trade Keith uh, Byard, the safety who had played more snaps than anyone else. Uh, so it doesn't appear that they're invested in the rest of this season and they're looking to the future. Well, they've already lost two in a row. They're two and four. And after seven weeks, RJ, they're two and a half games back of Jacksonville, who's won four in a row. So maybe they already are punting on the season, but the Falcons certainly are not. Yeah, the Falcons we knew coming into the season had one of the easiest schedules in the league, and that just keeps on per, you know uh, perpetuating week in and week out. Now they could probably get to face backup quarterbacks here, maybe two backup quarterbacks from what it sounds like uh, the coach is saying. Although that might be a little bit of coach speak. I don't. I don't. You typically don't plan to to play multiple quarterbacks in a game, um, but I do agree that this Atlanta offense humming 400 plus yards in three straight. Ritter finally played well on the road, minus those red zone fumbles. Then his defense, one of the best in the league, fourth in yards per play, third on third down, fifth in the red zone. No one has scored more than 24 points on them. And Tennessee's offense, certainly not the toughest opponent. You wouldn't expect them to score a ton of points, even if Ryan Tannehill was in, uh, and, and especially not with his quarterback situation being as murky as it is. The offense can run the ball, but they're awful in interception rate, sack rate, third down red zone, everything else besides running the ball. Um, so Tennessee, I don't I don't expect them to score much. Their defense, seventh against the run and 28th against the pass. So you want to attack them with the pass. And now Atlanta suddenly looks like they can do that with Desmond Ritter. So provided he doesn't make dumb mistakes, um, I would go with Atlanta too. My line says it should be pick them. Um, in power ratings, but te- Tennessee, just like Larry said, signaling they're punting on the season with the buyer deal. I don't know how you can trust them, so I wouldn't even play them. Even with the low total, I wouldn't throw them in teasers now because it could just be a give-up game here. All right, a lot of great advice on teams that aren't getting a lot of play out of their own players. Now, Jared said, Coach is probably ecstatic to not be interrupted by buckets this afternoon. Yes, it is quite nice to work with two professionals instead of that youngster, but I can tell you this, that he is showing up everywhere. And we've got a new little show that I guarantee you buckets will be there too. We like to call it morning footy. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right. Now, game number five on our board. Still at 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday, Saints and the Colts. And these are basically the epitome of 500. Both teams are three and four. This is a rubber meets the road game. If you want to have any shot at the playoffs, you got to get a dub this week. You can't fall to three and five. So, RJ, let me come back to you because the Saints on the road or the Saints at home, there hasn't been a whole lot of difference. Or on the other side, how are you separating these two teams? Uh, it's tough. Nor- uh, New Orleans offense, 28th in yards per play. They were three of 18 on third down last week. Their longest completion was 21 <laughs> yards. It was, and, and that's against the Jacksonville uh, defense that was missing Tyson Campbell. It was a particularly awful offensive performance from them. I just don't think the coaching staff really has it there. I don't think Derek Carr has it there. Indy's defense allowed 4.4 yards per play to Cleveland, just two drives of more than 36 yards. I know Cleveland put up a big number. It was almost all, you know, spurned by the defense and from bad turnovers from Gardner Minshew because he's a turnover machine. Even though when he's not throwing interceptions, he's fumbling it away three times. So their offense was 6.8 yards per play against that great Cleveland defense, but those turnovers uh, did them in there. New Orleans defense, fifth in yards per play, fourth in yards per pass, but also sixth in interception rate. They can create the turnovers that Minshew seems like he's addicted to to, to causing there. And their def- the New Orleans defense also second on third down. And so this is a game where I think their defense might be able to carry the team here, even though the offense has just been pretty putrid. So I would lean to the Saints at plus one here, but I don't love it. A lot of Derek Carr isms after their game last week when they had the ball inside the 10 and alas, couldn't even get a good look in the end zone. Now, I don't know if you saw this maestro, but Minshew to score two touchdowns last week was plus 9,000 and that cash if you had it. And if you had it, you're lying. Nobody (laughs) had that. But are we going to see him do it again this week? I think the game sets up well for Minshew because the Saints do play a lot of man coverage, and he's been excellent against man coverage, and Josh Downs is playing great. So I'm going to lean Colts here just because of how bad the Saints offense has been, and they really shouldn't have even been in that game on Thursday night. I know they have the extra rest, uh, but they were fortunate to have a chance uh, when they went down there and and had the drop in the end zone, but also the inexplicable play calling, you know, throwing these fades that have no chance, uh, just no faith in the Saints offense right now it was horrible it was absolutely horrible if i was a saints better i would have been unbelievably frustrated unbelievable you have Taysom hill uh who always falls forward always but yeah you just throw it to the left no shot great analysis by both of you all right the next game this one's fascinating all of a sudden right the patriots get it done against the bills late that had to do a ton for their confidence the miami dolphins confidence has got to be really really i don't know where it's at because philadelphia flexed their muscles ends up beating them by 14 now miami's still a first place team maestro but the patriots just beat the bills so they're coming in really good in the head now miami laying almost 10 points nine and a half total 47 your thoughts it's Miami or nothing for me. Uh, the, the Dolphins, I had the Eagles, so I was happy with how the refs called that game. But there were 10 penalties on the on the Dolphins and none on the Eagles. Uh, you have to go back a while to find a disparity like that. And there was a clear penalty that got missed that would have helped the Dolphins out on that face mask. 
But, you know, Tua at home, 15 and five against the number on the road, down nine and 11 against the number. I think the Patriots getting a little bit of a bump in value because of how banged up the Bills were defensively. And they looked that, you know, they looked that good. But at home, Vic Fangio's defense, I think, is going to have something for Mac Jones. I'll take the Dolphins under 10. Should we not read as much into the win over Buffalo, RJ, as maybe some people will? Yeah, do not read a lot into that. We, I, I was stressing, do not take Buffalo in that game all week. Um, you know, with all their injuries and with Josh Allen's shoulder issue, um, New England took advantage of those defensive injuries. They only had to attempt nine third downs in the game. That's not a sense of them executing. You know, all, all over the field and just you know chewing up clock and getting it done. The Bills were just not putting them in third down situations. It was just a failure of the Buffalo defense. New England's defense missing key pieces. That I know they hung a little bit close to Miami seven point home loss in week two, but Christian Gonzalez had a pick in that game was big part of that game he's not playing now Miami's offense coming off its worst game um you know 240 yards or something you know 150 less than they've had in the other game that's brought them all the way down to 7.7 yards per play still miles ahead of everyone else in the league and this game is at home where Miami has a great home field advantage where they have a 50 point win a 15 point win and a 21 point win against bad teams I think New England is still a bad team despite what we saw last week in this move off the look ahead of 13 is not justified so don't overrate that win my only worry about this game if you want to worry about Miami is that it's a big look ahead spot here because they got to go to Germany and play the Chiefs next week. That is a great, great point. Tyreek playing his old squad. Mahomes now trying to push for another MVP. The big question, though, gentlemen, will Taylor make the trip? Hmm. You think she'll be there? What What are the odds that Taylor Swift shows up in Germany? I mean, she's uh, been in every game, right? Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. She starts 10%. the international version of her tour in South America November 9th. So I don't think she can go to Germany and still, but who knows? That's her man. That is her man. All right. My little inside information guy in Kansas City said they're the real deal. They're like, she's incredibly sweet. She's nice to everybody. She talks to everybody, and and, and Travis is soaking it up. So good for them. Now, we know that she's been – in this stadium for our next game. And it's the Jets and it's the Giants. And the Jets coming off a bye week. The Giants coming off a big win with Tyrod Taylor, quarterback still. Still no Daniel Jones. They beat Washington. Really, really nice. But the Jets are the favorite here. You really can't say a home game, away game. They play in the same uh, uh, stadium. The total is 36 and a half. So, Maestro, let me come back to you first to start this one. The Jets favored by three over a Giants team that arguably should have beaten the Bills, and they did beat the Commanders by seven. Your thoughts? They actually dominated the Commanders. They probably should have won that game by 14 or more. And Tyrod Taylor, you know, willing to throw the ball down the field, and it looks like he's going to get another start because Daniel Jones is still not cleared for contact. He's doing everything else, uh, and they say he's going to start as soon as he's ready. But the Giants have played well with Tyrod Taylor, and that's the way I would look at this because the O-line also played better and the O-line getting a little bit healthier, especially with such a low total. The tough thing is, though, Maestro, is that both of these teams, even though they're playing okay, they've got Miami in one in their division, and then you got Philadelphia in the others. They're chasing kind of a ghost at this point. Just got to get a dub. 
Yeah, um, and one of these teams probably is going to get a dub, although, you know, with this game, this ugly game, you know, it's going to end up 12-12 somehow and just be tied, you know. So let's run the tape back when that actually happens. The Jets won their last game before the bye, not thanks to the offense, plus four turnover margin there. Their offense has more than 175 passing yards in just one of six games. Defense has been a little shaky for the Jets, 15th in yards per play, 22nd on sack rate, 30th on third downs. They still do some stuff well, but just they're not the elite unit that we saw last year. Giants defense is playing well. Offensive line should get back Andrew Thomas in this game. Been waiting for him to come back for weeks and weeks. Major problem on the left tackle spot, um, and that's that should be uh, resolved there. Um, I would like the Giants more with Tyrod Taylor if he plays. If three is probably too high for me, if he plays, might be a situation where Brian Dayball, um, even if he does get cleared, say no, we're just worried about re-injury. Daniel Jones take another week or two or seven, you know, just to make sure you don't get re-hurt, uh, and uh, and we can play Tyrod in this game, um, just like Stefanski did with Deshaun Watson last week. Did you say another week or seven? Is that what you said? Just make got to make sure he's healthy. He's a he's their prime time investment. You know, bring him back for the playoffs. You are an absolute savage. All right, while I, while I read this, I need those of you who did not hit that like button, take the chat down, hit the like button, put it right back up, and keep on chatting. New. BetMGM customers can sign up today and get $200 in bonus bets. Just place your first wager of at least $10, and you will receive $200 instantly in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome, with bonus code EDGE200. That is promo code EDGE200. Next game, also 1 o'clock. A lot of 1 o'clock games this week. 4 at 4 o'clock. So you're going to have to really figure out what games you want to bet on. Jags, they've won four in a row. They are really moving in the right direction. RJ, I'm starting with you. The Steelers, they're four and two. How are we sleeping on them when they went to uh, L.A. and they got the job done and they were essentially the home team? It's embarrassing what it sounds like when the Steelers, the Cowboys, anybody with a fan base comes out to SoFi. So, Jags favored by two and a half, total 42. RJ, your thoughts? Yeah, best traveling fans in football and one of the better home field advantages in football, too, for Pittsburgh, which is why I think this line's a little too high for me. Pittsburgh had 72 net yards before the final three drives, and that's in eight drives. They averaged nine yards per drive um, before that that last run. I don't know that you can upgrade the offense at all. It's 27th in yards per play now. Jacksonville's defense, good versus the run on third down and in the red zone. Um, so I don't know if they're going to solve it. They're 4-2 and two despite having an, almost a net full yard negative point differential per play, uh, negative yard per play differential. It's 0.9, I believe. They were outgained in all four of their wins. Their defense has been mediocre, not, not the unit that we thought they were coming into the season with that pass rush. And Jacksonville's offense good at avoiding interceptions and sacks, so they can neutralize some of that. Jacksonville's offense is awful on third down, 2 of 11 last week, 27th on the season. So Pittsburgh will have to win on third downs with that pass rush if they're going to stay in this game. I think they could. Power rating has value on Pittsburgh here, even though I tried to adjust Jacksonville up a little bit more aggressively because I had them just as an average team before this week, and now I have them as a plus-two team, um, and I still only can make this line around a pick them. So once this gets to three, I'm probably going to play Pittsburgh. Yeah, it kind of feels that way, Maestro. And you know that old saying, oh, Mike Tomlin figures out a way without a good team. I think I'm starting to believe in that. They are winning games that I didn't think that they could win. Your thoughts? Yeah, they basically get a miraculous play every week from T.J. Watt. Like R.J. said, they average 4.7 yards of play, and they give up 5.6 yards of play, and yet they're 4-2, and two, and they make the game-changing plays. And T.J. Watt now, I believe, has seven interceptions and 70 sacks in his first seven seasons. Just incredible. 
And as a home dog, Mike Tomlin is usually money, but the Jags have also covered seven straight road games. And the way they came through, you know, winning those two in London, then coming home on a short week and taking, uh, you know, taking care of the Colts and then taking care of the of the Saints on a short week, just very, very impressive. I'm definitely leaning Jacksonville because the Jags' biggest weakness is defending the pass. And how good is that pass offense? Uh, you know, Deontay Johnson coming back, that was a big lift. Uh, but they did nothing for three quarters so i'm leaning jacksonville that's a great last nugget larry by the way all right next game also one o'clock easter on sunday and maestro i'm starting with you the eagles i think they had their wake-up call against the jets they went out last week and systematically took miami apart they're favored by six and a half over commander's team that we've already said just got ran by the giants don't look at the scoreboard total 43 and a half larry should the eagles be favored by almost a touchdown I believe they should, as long as Jalen Hurts is healthy. And, you know, he did. He is nursing a knee injury. This matchup has proven difficult for the Eagles, though. Remember how Washington beat them last year and then almost beat them this year. The game went to overtime. But, yeah, the Eagles are so much better. The commanders are really fortunate to have the wins that they have. They could easily have one or two wins. They have the worst secondary probably in football or next to the Arizona Cardinals. This is the easiest team to throw on. Uh, so I'd be looking at the Eagles or nothing. And that's what I'm looking at too, RJ. And maybe it's just week eight, but the Eagles now can look right in front of them in the NFC and say, we're the only one lost team. If we went out, there's nothing anybody else can do when it comes to the number one seed. That has got to be at least a little motivation moving forward for the Eagles. And they get San Francisco at home later in the year, too. So that's going to be a big matchup for them. Um, and mm-hmm. the fact they get to be at home, uh, make them travel cross-country is big, too. It was an excellent game from Philly's defense. Allowed just 244 yards to the elite Miami offense. Philly's offense was solid. They just can't erase dumb mistakes. I, I don't know how Hurts' health is. And it, he seems to be regressing a little bit as a passer. Um, I thought I bet him on, on him for MVP this year. Just does not look like MVP caliber at this point. But uh, the, I, I would take a you know issue with them, the Washington playing them close. I mean, Philly screwed themselves in that first game there was several bad calls on third down so several bad flags on third down that extended drives and and some dumb things like unnecessary roughness penalties that it should not have been that close they just let Washington hang around Washington was just dominated by an awful Giants team that entered last week bottom two in yards per play in both offense and defense still had their backup quarterback still had no offensive line and the Giants ran away with that game Uh, none of Washington's offense's first 12 drives went longer than 21 yards and I, w- I would say that the Washington offense can't protect Sam Howell, but Sam Howell can't protect Sam Howell. A lot of his sacks come when he just holds the ball way too long. Um, I think if you were to replace him with Jacoby Brissett right now, it would just be an immediate upgrade just because Brissett knows how to get rid of the ball. He's an NFL quarterback. And this Philly pass rush, if you give them three seconds uh, when you're holding the ball, waiting for something to happen, they are going to be all over you. So I don't think the first game should have been close between these teams. The, the flags made a difference there. Um, I don't think that Sam Howell has got it right now as a passer. Unless Jacoby Brissett features into the second half of this game. I think Eagles cover pretty easily. This line should be closer to nine. Do you think it will get to seven by Sunday? I think it will. I think um, I think everybody's going to want to be on Philly just seeing how mismatched these two teams are after what happened last week. Okay, very, very good. All right, the final 1 o'clock Eastern game on Sunday has the Texans. They are a 500 team, but, man, they're trending in the right direction. Then you got the Carolina Panthers. They are over. They have yet to secure a win this NFL season. So Houston's favored by three on the road, RJ. And the Panthers 
are looking at a total of 43 in their own house. Your thoughts on Houston being the favorite here? Houston goes from a basement team before the season, a three-point road favorite, and it all happened in six games. That's how great this offense has looked. Carolina, though, has been competitive in two home games. Their last three they played on the road were all against top offenses, made them look a lot worse than they actually are. Houston's defense allowed 21 or less points in four straight, so it looks like they're playing well. They've allowed 400-plus yards in three of those four games, getting a little bit fortunate not to give up a ton more points than what they are. The big thing here is that Carolina's offense moving to Thomas Brown calling plays, their offensive coordinator. We expect to step up there. We expect he's on a, a track to be a head coach in this league and he could ha- get a little bit of a showcase here to do that i love houston i've been on them several times they should not be three-point road favorites yet take the points here because this is the buy time for carolina they're not as bad as their record shows and everybody's got them 32nd in power ratings right now they're going to be better than that moving forward which is why i intentionally had maestro go second on this game because maestro clearly you agree with the last thing that rj just said agree. I'm on the Panthers plus the three, and I'm jealous that RJ got three and a half. I was not quick enough on the trigger, but I'll still take three with Carolina. They haven't covered a spread this season. They did push once against the Saints, depending on what the number that you got was, but teams that are 0-5-1 against the spread, if you look at them, or 0-6, there's a lot of value on them because obviously nobody thinks they can cover a spread. There's a lot of optimism about this new Play caller Thomas Brown got high praise from Sean McVay, who he worked under. Austin Corbett, their best offensive lineman, supposed to make his season debut. And Bryce Young threw for 464 yards and four touchdowns in those last two losses to the Lions and the Dolphins. Now, you can say a lot of that was garbage time, but the Dolphins wasn't garbage time. That was early that they actually played well. So, And I think the fact that Miles Sanders is hurt is actually a good thing for the efficiency of the offense because Chuba Hubbard is playing better football. And like RJ said, the Texans' pass defense, very vulnerable. I think this is a where Bryce Young shows, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe CJ Stroud was the right pick, but I'm not a bad pick either. And it's going to be a tight game. Such a great point. Sometimes when you got two really good running backs and they split time, they don't play great. Then when one becomes the guy, they start to settle in. They really, really do. Now, uh, college football, it's all over CBS Sports Network, including this Saturday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. 
as we look at our first 405 Eastern game, ladies and gentlemen, Browns and the Seahawks. Seahawks favored by three. This is an elite defense for the Cleveland Browns. They really are. And when I come to you, RJ, you like Seattle. I love Seattle. Why do you like them against the Browns at home? Yeah, it was a lucky win for the Browns. 4.4 yards per play in that game. Two of their 15 drives went over 40 yards. This was not a, a good performance by the offense. It was a lot of 14-yard 14 14-yard well, field goal drive, zero-yard field goal drive type of games, and they chipped away. The defense carried them. They're going to need bad turnovers, and Seattle could do that. I mean, they covered last week despite being minus three turnover margin. We've seen some bad turnovers from Geno's at times this year, and this is a very good defense, so maybe it happens. Seattle's defense also very good. Third in yards per play right now. Third in yards per run, and that's how we know Cleveland's going to need to move the ball here. I think they handle Cleveland's offense, no matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Deshaun Watson, even if he was 100% um, and, and probably playing at less than 100%, and definitely if it's P.J. Walker on the road here. So these de- the defense not quite in the Cleveland here for Seattle, but they're pretty close. And the Cleveland offense well below Seattle's offense right now. Cleveland uh, Seattle gets two for home field, and I think they're far better than one point better than Cleveland. So three is a bad number here. I think the line should be six at least. And um, if P.J. Walker... Walker starts seven. So give me best bet. Seattle minus three. No, I love this number. Maestro. It, it's almost feels like it's just sitting on a silver platter there for you. Yeah, it is because the Seahawks have not gotten the scoreboard results the way that they've played. They've made those stupid turnovers. They've had the red zone failures, but on a down-to-down basis. And what if DK Metcalf comes back? Uh, This is a team that could go off even against the Browns. And I just love their secondary. They're going to pick off whoever is the quarterback. When you have Devin Witherspoon and Reek Woolen, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, and they're number one against the run, 30 points allowed in their last three games. This is a team that's really peaking. I think they're going to show it on Sunday. This is a tough spot for the Browns. Second straight road game, and you have to travel all the way to Seattle. C-Rad says, this does seem like a weird line with Seattle's home field. It does. But remember, as we've seen the last several weeks, the NFL is banana land. You got teams that are beating other teams. that doesn't make any sense. So be very careful. But this does seem like a Seattle line all the way. Now, speaking of peaking at the right moments, say what you want. Tease what you want. But ever since this whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift stuff, they haven't lost a game. They haven't lost since opening night. They're now starting to score. They're now starting to move. Patrick Mahomes over 400 yards passing, four touchdowns against the Chargers. So now they go to Denver, favored by seven and a half, total 45 and a half. Maestro, let's start with you. This is a 44.25 p.m. start, by the way. Is that hook scaring you just a little bit? Well, the money seems to be coming in on Denver, which has played two respectable defensive performances the last couple of weeks, holding the Chiefs to 19 points, I believe it was, on Thursday night football, and then, you know, doing what everyone has been doing to the Green Bay Packers, the the Broncos defense has gotten healthier and they are not as embarrassing as they were the first several weeks of the season. And it could be a look ahead spot like RJ was talking about with that Chiefs Dolphins. I believe that is the following Sunday in Germany. So uh, I'm not rushing to the window to lay more than a touchdown here. <laughs> Another Jewish chart. The coach is so loyal to the Chiefs. He has become a Taylor Swift fan. Got to respect it. My daughter is. I'm not. I just got to give out the information. That's all. RJ, the Chiefs historically during the Patrick Mahomes era, they don't cover the spread, but they do win ball games. But this is a perfect example of how that happens. They're favored by over seven a lot of the time. 
Should they be here? Yeah, I think the line is fine. Um, the offense was masterful in the first half against the Chargers, starting to figure out the receiver targets there and really um, you know, support that passing game behind Travis Kelsey. Denver's defense did shut down back Green Bay offense for a half. They're still 32nd in yards per play. I, I disagree um, with Larry there that, that that they have any positive movement going forward because they already got rid of a few players, I believe, in trade and cuts, and and I think they're still looking to sell some more players. It really just seems like uh, let's let's you know uh, eye the uh, quarterback class next year and and. And hopefully get a good draft pick thing here. They can run the ball though in Kansas City. Um, but if they fall behind, it's over. Kansas City outgained Denver 389 to 197 in the first meeting. The score didn't reflect it. Um, Kansas City is capable of running away with this game, but you said the history there um with with the with them covering big spreads and they have the look ahead. I would lean Denver, um, but I just can't make it a play because me and the Denver Broncos, we are never ever getting back together. <laughs> <laughs> If you didn't get that, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. That was savage right there. That was savage right there. By the way, the first meeting between these two teams, one of the worst covers of the entire season. It was 10 and a half. They kicked, what, a 56-yard field goal with two minutes to go to win 19 to 8. Yeah, and that's my squad, and that was still yucky, but we'll take it. Now, speaking of the best performance of the entire Week 7 slate, how about the Baltimore Ravens in a first place showdown with the Detroit Lions? Absolutely laid them out. Lamar Jackson looked like the MVP. He was throwing it great. He was running it great. He was doing everything great. They now go to the desert. They're laying eight and a half points against Arizona, who has been awful in the second half of games the last several weeks. Total 44. RJ, let's start with you. Is this number too much? Just right. Yeah, I think the number is about right. Everything clicked for Baltimore's offense against Detroit. They're now sixth in yards per play, third in yards per pass. They should be able to, to handle this Arizona defense. Their offense only had eight third downs. I don't know how, how Arizona stops them at all. Baltimore's defense now first in yards per play, but 19th against the run. And Arizona, we knew the run game was a problem when James Conner got hurt, but they were actually solid against what had been an elite Seattle defense. I believe Seattle entered that game first in yards per play and exited it third. So Arizona actually had a solid day there. I think Arizona's offense may be able to limit Baltimore's possessions with the run lose by like six or seven instead of nine, which this line's probably going to get to at some point. So I would lean Arizona just because everything looks so good for Baltimore. I expect the line to inflate a little bit. You might get a little bit more value on Arizona. They kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, Kyler Murray close to coming back, and they can really start thinking about the future here and getting excited about it. So I would lean Arizona, but I don't love it. It does kind of, Larry, feel like one of those games late afternoon on Sunday Ravens are up by a touchdown, seven minutes. We've all been there, right? That's how this game looks with this spread. What do you think? Yeah, after that basically perfect performance at home where everything came together for Todd Munkin's offense, I do not expect that kind of efficiency. It's a sleepy spot. You're at the lowly Cardinals, but they have lost four straight by double digits, and Kyler Murray is not coming back, and you can throw on them as much as you need to. So I'm going to put the Ravens in a teaser before this gets to nine down to two and a half because I just cannot see them losing to Arizona. And then I'm also going to throw in the Lions, which we're going to talk about later when we get to Monday Night Football. Such a smart play. Such a smart play. Bring that down through the numbers of seven and three. We talk about on the show all the time. If you're new, those are very important numbers. Eight and a half is a perfect teaser leg if you really like that team. Maestro, hang tight for the other side, the Lions, because that's coming up 
but not next because there's one more game at 425 Eastern on Sunday. And this one is fascinating. The Bengals coming off a bye week. The 49ers have lost now two straight. No Debo. And the Vikings dictated the entire game on Monday night. There was never a point where the 49ers were in the lead or in control. So, Larry, let me come back to you. They are favored by five and a half. The total is 45. Should they be favored by almost a touchdown? It seems a little high given the injury situation, and we have to see the status of these guys on a short week with the Bengals at, you know, having the extra rest, such an advantage. And before the season, there's no way this line would have been that high. And the thing I just wanted to mention is like Brock Purdy is playing great, but those that interception that he threw – that was coming. He's had a lot of turnover-worthy plays, and now finally the last couple of weeks we're seeing other teams catch the ball, uh, which they hadn't done the first several weeks of the season. So he's just coming back to being a very good quarterback and not being a perfect quarterback. But, yeah, I would lean Bengals. And I would hate to think that George Kittle is starting to get on the other side of things, RJ, but when he's on the same field with TJ Hawkinson, and they're the two highest-paid tight ends in the league, I believe, and TJ completely outplays him. 49ers, they've got some holes they got to figure out, yes? Yeah, the MVP of this team, everybody would say, is Christian McCaffrey. I think it's Trent Williams. I think you need him at left tackle. Um, I thought their offensive line was a little bit of a weak spot coming into the season after losing McGlinchey on the right side. With Trent Williams out on the left side, I mean, it was it was a little bit of a disaster there. And you can't, you can't have to keep Brock pretty clean. He cannot be under pressure because that's when you see these turnovers start to happen. Um, so I think if he plays in this game, I kind of like the San Francisco side. Uh, if he doesn't play, kind of like the Cincy side. So we're going to have to monitor the, the injury report there. Since he's offense, 32nd in yards per play. Um, I think the, the expectation is Burrow comes out of this by relatively healthy now, probably the best he's looked all season. It's coming. Um, so you, since he's a team, you just cannot value properly. I think at the same time, this line should be three and seven, just because I don't know what I'm going to get from Cincy. Um, so it's hard to hard to play them there. Their defense is 30th in yards per rush. I think that um, San Francisco, if if Williams is black, back, um, can control the run game here and then um, you know hopefully open things up for Purdy a little bit. Um, you talk about the line before the season, I believe was minus one for San Francisco. So this tells you how far since he has fallen. If they play more like that team, obviously this line is way too high, but we, I think we need to see it before we can, we can believe it here. But I think the market's probably going to back since he's expecting to see it coming out of the bye. I think most of the time people don't think about offensive linemen as the most important on the team. That's why you got my guys. It's not always about the guy running. It's about the guy opening the holes for the guy who is running. Now I'm coming back to you for this one, RJ, because this is the first leg of a teaser that you love this week. And this is Sunday night football, the bears. You want a storyline, you know, NBC Sunday night is going to be all over a division two quarterback who a year ago at this time was throwing two interceptions in a D two game. And a year later, we're taking on the chargers coming off a big win last week in his first start. So the Chargers have been pathetic, but they're favored by eight and a half. Forty six and a half is a total in what the sports books see as a mismatch to be favored by this much. Talk to me, RJ. Yeah, can the Chargers really mismatch with anyone when they just can't beat anybody by more than a score? It just seems to happen week in, week out with that team. Their defense, 31st in yards per play, 32nd in yards per pass after another awful showing there. But it might not matter because Tyson Bajan is the starter. He, I know that he's won two straight starts. He had 4.8 yards per attempt against a bad Vegas defense that, that lost some players in that game too. Um, the defense for Chicago is really what's shining. But again, that came against Brian Hoyer 
and Eden O'Connell at the end of the game. Um, going from that pair to Justin Herbert, big step up. I don't care how um, disappointing Herbert has been um, by and large. Um, he, he's a way better quarterback than those guys. Chargers offense, sixth in red zone rate. Uh, where Chicago defense is 31st. So I think the Chargers can put up a big number hanging sevens on the board instead of threes in this game. Um, but I think the best bet to tease it while it's under nine uh, is, is is to tease the Chargers down. Minus two and a half. We got two primetime games with two eight and a half point spreads. Love teasing them together and uh, and just cashing when both of these teams win by three. And we will hit that lines play in just a second. But Maestro, first of all, let me come over to you because another brilliant analysis by RJ and the Chargers team. Brandon Staley, I believe, is on the hot seat right here, right now. They have to have a good performance this week. Yeah, and then when they don't get pressure from Khalil Mack in that front, I mean, the the passing windows are wide open. I mean, Patrick Mahomes had anybody he wanted, and there was no charger near them. That's how easy it was throwing against this Chargers team. Now, Tyson Bajan may not be able to execute that same thing, but he they love him in Chicago, and he gets the ball out on time, and, you know, he runs the team. And they were – the defense, as RJ said, played well. Three takeaways. They held the Raiders to 39 rushing yards. So I'm going to lean Bears with all those points. But the one thing I want to take out of this game is you got to watch the video of Tyson Bajan's dad arm wrestling Tom Pelissaro. If you haven't seen the video, watch it. You will absolutely enjoy it. I think he's won like 39 arm wrestling championships, and he's very entertaining. He has personality for days, this guy. You saw that. Oh, oh 100% I yeah. saw it. Yeah. Took the microphone, started doing the whole segment himself. Pelissaro had no chance. No chance, no chance. This guy is great, and I think his dad's going to be a star too. Hell, the Chargers flew that fan to the game in Kansas City last week. You don't think these teams are paranoid? They want a good luck charm? Bears fly his dad around. That's what I'm saying. By the way, I really like that Chargers fan. Hopefully, she gets to go to a few more games. She's fun to watch. More fun than the Chargers, actually. All right, last game on the docket. Both of my guys. RJ and the Maestro, they like the Lions in their teaser. So, Maestro, let's start with you. Why are you bullish on the Lions after just a their worst performance of the year? Yeah, well, we Josh McDaniels is coaching the other team. That's the number one reason. And, and he decides to start Brian Hoyer instead of looking at a promising rookie. And we don't know yet if Jimmy G will be back. But the Lions, they were so banged up last week that they didn't do anything on Wednesday, which is normally a practice day. That's how banged up they were going into the game, which I wish I had known that ahead of time. I would not have thrown the Lions in my teaser last week. But now you're coming home against a team that you can absolutely dominate and get this offense back to what it should be. I mean, at home, Jared Goff, with the way the Raiders play defense, they just give you everything in front of you. Uh, he's just going to pick them apart. So I'm going to play the Lions minus two and a half as the second leg of the teaser when you played that bad against the bears and then you've got to basically stay in the same division and a better team this one at home i can't believe that we can get it at two and a half i know it's a teaser but i love the play by you too rj 
Yeah, this Vegas offense, I think they are going to get Jimmy Garoppolo back, which is great because they scored 12 points last week. And the the scoring totals they've had with Jimmy Garoppolo playing uh, the whole season have been 17, 10, 18, 17, 17, and 21. So, I mean, he wow. missed another game in the, in the midst of that and try to figure out which one it is. I don't think you can. Their Vegas offense under three yards per rush. Detroit doesn't have to worry about that at all. They can primarily worry about stopping the receivers here. Um, they know showed in their second straight on the road against an elite Baltimore team i'm not worried about that performance at all they beat four limited offenses by 14 plus in a row prior to that i think they cover the normal number here but vegas defense struggling on third down and in the red zone i think detroit can put together long touchdown drives and and pretty easily win this game so i think they'll win by double digits but it's just an automatic teaser right here at at eight and a half to get it down to two and a half and pair it with the chargers and very very important that you get it in when it is eight and a half you also don't want to have it on an even number why because in a teaser a push is a loss. So if you wait till it's nine, you take it to three, they win by three, that's a loss. You do it, it's eight and a half, that's a win. See the difference? All right, grab your paper, grab your pencil. We're going to go through our recap and let my guys tell me their best bets. RJ, let's start with you. I've got the Buccaneers team total over 16 and a half points. That Buffalo defense is in trouble. I think the Tampa Bay will be able to score at least 17 on them. I have Seahawks minus three. I think that line should be a lot more. The Cleveland offense is horrendous. Seahawks are a very underrated team that that should have won five straight, if not for that Bengals game where, where they played a lot better than the Bengals in that game. I have a teaser, Chargers and Lions, primetime games, put them together. Each of them you'll get minus two and a half. All they have to do is win by three and well positioned to do that for both those teams. And a reminder that Buccaneers team total, if you're a Sportsline member, you could get that now. Team totals will be up starting today at Sportsline. Maestro, talk to me. I think this is going to be Bryce Young's best game of the season coming out of the bye with a new dynamic, more creative play caller and Thomas Brown. He gets his best offensive lineman back. So I'm taking the Panthers plus three against a very beatable Texans pass defense. And then the teaser, like RJ, I love the Lions to beat the lowly Raiders by at least three. And I especially love the Baltimore Ravens to at least cover by to at least win by three in Arizona, a team that has lost four straight by double digits. Fantastic. And all the odds on the early edge are presented by our partners at the king of all sports books, BetMGM. Remember, there's a reason we do this show. If you're watching live on Tuesday afternoon, if you're watching us on demand, the numbers might be a little bit different because they move throughout the week. So we encourage you to watch us live or watch us as close to live as possible. Also remember, Thursday night, primetime early edge. We get the week started. Thursday night football. What's that game again? Oh, yes, it's the Bucks and it's the Bills. We'll be here live with me and the crew at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. And then on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern time, our props extravaganza all over the place. Everything NFL. But with all that being said, there's only one thing left to do. And I believe you all know what that is. You've got your marching orders. Let's take all of these NFL mega preview tickets straight to the pay window. My tie crew, the the stoic one, RJ White, the maestro, Larry Hartstein, the snake always behind the scenes, and I am simply the coach trying to keep this train on said track. We grind for you so we can win with you. It's truly what we're all about right here at the Early Edge. Good luck. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. 
the winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.